0: I have a question for you, Jacob. Mm -hmm. I can't. I've, you know, I didn't feel good this last week, and I just sat around moping and wondering about your Jeep. (laughs) Okay, maybe that's not really what I was. I was really not thinking about that the whole time. However, I am curious. How's your Jeep thing going from the last time we talked? It was kind of questionable.
1: I hope our listeners love us because I've been wanting to share this on this (laughs) podcast. I okay. really, this is like, because look, Craft and Draft is part helpful podcast, part, you just get an update on Jacob and Pam, and <laughs> whether you like it or not, that's the life we have on this show, <laughs> and I, you know, people, I, I, our audience connects to you, we have a. We have audience members who have been teaching for a long time, and they they connect to your side. We have audience members that have been teaching for less time, so they connect to my side, and we just have this little synergy. But what my side right now is just hard lessons learned. Oh no! In my early thirties. So here's what happens, right? If we go back in time to the, you know, back in July, or actually it was it really was June, right? I was like, you know what? I'm gonna buy a car. I make good money. I can do this. I've been financially responsible enough to where you know what I can do this, right? Don't have credit card debt. Don't have any of that stuff. I can I can afford a car payment, right? And my Lincoln was fine, but it was an 09. It had it was it was getting me to point A to point B. But I was like, you know what? I don't have to do this anymore. So I went and shopped around. I was like, I don't even know what car. I don't even know what it's like to buy a car. So I walked into dealerships and just asked questions, right. Little did I know mm-hmm. that they're all just a bunch of salesmen. I mean, I knew that, obviously, but <laughs> it's it's one of those things where, like, you just kind of have to experience it, right? Yeah. And I don't have parents, really. You know, I don't have people around me to guide me through these things. So most of what I rely on are friends and people that I've talked to and uh, my own research and a lot of it on this podcast through you. And so eventually, somehow I land on wanting a Jeep. Okay. And I'm like... Yeah, you know, it's it's a happy medium, right? It's a, it's a bigger vehicle which I wanted um, for a variety of reasons, and it, it gives me some variety in what I can do, right? I can take it out, I can go do whatever. I'm not a big like outdoorsy person, but I liked the idea of you know taking things to trails, taking Matt out, my kid, and you know just having fun, right? And and something a little bit bigger, but not not outside of my range. And then I learned that Jeep culture. And I learned that Jeeps are fairly expensive. And I was like, you know what? I, I kind of knew my budget. And I was like, I could do this. And I found, long story short, I found a Jeep that I wanted. And I thought it was a very good one. It had upgrades and all the things. It was a Rubicon. It was a 2017. Didn't have tons of miles on it for a Jeep. And I was like, you know what? Let's do it, right? And I, I, went, a little right. Bit ab- I went a little bit above my budget for this thing, okay? But I okay. thought it was a good idea. I drive it off. There's all these issues, right? The, the engine light pops on, as you may remember. Yeah. And so the dealership, though, they were nice. And like, hey, we'll fix it. No worries. We'll just bring it in. It took forever. I didn't get it fixed until late August. So September rolls around, and it's fine. And there's no issues. It's a Jeep. It's used. I mean, there's, like, used car issues, but not, like, issues issues. October... I was oh, around Nochoa. And it's fine for a little bit. And then about a week ago, the check engine light pops on. And I go, Dang it. Like, you know what? Maybe it's something small, right? It's a used car. Mm-hmm. It's gonna happen, right? I'm not instantly worried about my life. And so I take it to AutoZone. They they do their little check or whatever. They go, Oh, you know, it's it's coming up as like the temperature sensor. They're like, okay. you know what? A lot of times, you know, I was like, that will cause a check engine light to come on. They're like, it can. They're like, put uh, some coolant in there and see what happens. Cool. Spend 20 bucks, get some coolant, pour it in there. And they're like, drive it around. It'll take a while. But like, drive it around. Obviously, if things get worse, take it in. But like, see if this works. I'm like, cool. And so like, in my head, I'm like, all right, maybe it's just like a small little coolant problem. Okay. The next day. Oh, no. I tell my son, I'm like, hey, let's go. I don't even know where we we're going. We were going to, we we're going to Best Buy, right? My kid loves to tinker with Best Buy and just look at stuff, right? We we're buying anything just to go. It's like his amusement park. We're on our way and we're in the driveway. Don't even like move very far. We're in the driveway and I have it in reverse. And I'm looking up, uh, I was looking up something on my phone. I didn't even know what I was doing. I look it up. And the car feels like it's vibrating. Like That's not good. Like far more than normal, right? Like there's a the general vibration when you're just sitting in a car. You know what I mean? Yeah. So are your tires OK? Well, here's the thing. It just like starts kind of shaking. And I'm like, that's weird. And I go, hey, Matt, do you feel that? And he goes, yes. And then the light starts flashing. And I went, oh, no. That's not good. <laughs> and so we t- we turn off the Jeep and sit there for a second. And I'm like, oh, no. Like, something something is amiss here. And I look it up, and I go, is flashing check engine light good? And they're like, no, this means immediate, like, needs. And so I go, oh, okay, good Lord. And so I tell my kid, I'm like, hey, we're going to postpone Best Buy. We're going to go to the auto place. So I take it to... Uh, Little auto place. There's no line, so we get right in. Cool. We jump in, and they go check it out. They're like, you know, we can run the the computer, or whatever. That's free. But if you want us to like really dive in, you know, it's like 140 bucks or whatever. And I'm like, oh, for, to check it? <laughs> like, All right, fine. I was like, it's flashing. You know what I mean? Like it was one of those things where I was like, I need to figure it out. Right. And so I'm like, whatever, just take it in. Just take me for what I'm worth. You know what I mean? Like, just whatever. Uh And I'm just disappointed. I'm annoyed. I'm frustrated. So I'm sitting there, and they go through it, and they go, okay, so here's the thing. It's true that it's coming up as the temperature thing. They're like, that's a $500 fix. And they go, but your problem that you're describing is not the problem that it's telling us. So there's something else happening. <laughs> <laughs> and so they were like, what we can do is we can fix this issue for $500 on top of the $140 that you already paid. But after that, we find out that there, there's probably another problem there. So there's more money in this. And I'm like, oh, my god and I go, you know what I got to think about this I was like give me a quote whatever I'm going like I'm leaving right in the car the Jeep worked fine when it wasn't in park but if it was in park it wouldn't idle for very long it would freak out I oh, tested okay. it multiple times but driving like the okay. light did the light was on but it didn't flash like it it handled itself for whatever was like in park and so I'm annoyed I've had this thing since July it's October what like 11th. And I'm like, what is going on? And so I ca- I text the guy who sold me the car. I'm like, dude, more problems. I was like, can you please just help me? Like, get me out of this thing. Like, I know that it's going to cost me or whatever. And so we begin this saga of solving my problem of having a okay. jeep that I'm paying too much for. I'm neg, I have negative equity in it because of course. It, I just bought it, right? I just financed right. it, so I'm paying, you know, more. The, the typical thing, I learned about negative equity all week this week. Yes. And so I talked to the guy, and they were, I mean, the the salesman, he's very helpful. He's a very good guy, honestly. He, he's. I, I really like him. I don't think he was, he was He was never trying to, like, screw me over, but he was just kind of giving me the information. I thought the dealership was going to help me more, to be fair, but mm-hmm. he only has so much power. So... I talked to him. I'm like, dude, how do I get out of this? And, the, and you know, he kind of gives me the details. And he was like, you know, there's ways that dealerships get around this negative equity thing. He was like, you're going to pay for that any like at some point in time. That money is something you have to account for in some form. Right. Yes. Cause it was like, and then, so I called one of my assistant principal buddies. He's really good with money. He's a, he's a Dave Ramsey, aficionado, aficionado. So he, so he does all, and I don't, I don't, I'm not full Dave Ramsey, but like, I, I I respect the guy. I know he has good financial advice. And so I call him like, dude, here's my options. What do I do? And so he starts talking to me and he's like, you know, we go through all of our options and he's like, well, you need a car. (laughs) He was like, you can pay the 500 and roll the dice on what the problem is. You could pay five hundred and find out that the official problem is fifteen hundred more. You could True. do five hundred and it's fixed, and it's good for five years with no issues. He was like, "You do five hundred and find out it's 4 thousand He was like, "You just don't know." He's like, "Well, like this is cars, and you bought a car that people take off road. So welcome to off-roading vehicles." And I was like, "Oh my god!" And so he was like, "Here's the thing." He was like, "You have this amount in negative equity." You can sell the Jeep for this amount. That means you still have to account for this chunk, right? The negative chunk. He goes, you can sell the Jeep privately, make a lot of that money back, then get a loan that pays for the negative equity. And then what's, let's use even numbers right now. So let's do, let's do 10 grand and negative. So if I do a 20 grand loan, pay the 10 grand off and then get a 10 grand car, right? A little clunker, mm-hmm. just to get me to point A to point B. And in my head, I'm thinking, well, then I'm just right back to where I was with the Lincoln. But now I have a car payment. <laughs> right? Now I'm paying That's a car true. payment for the same thing that I had before. Right? And no guarantee that it's going to work, because clearly I can't pick used cars. <laughs> okay. And so I'm, I'm literally like, this is like my lowest moment in a long time, Ochoa. Oh, because so I'm, I'm I'm looking at myself and I'm going... I consider myself a very intelligent individual. I consider myself someone who solves problems. I consider myself someone who (laughs) uh, can research very well. But I got to tell you, I messed up. 100% it was on me. I did something ill-advised on a piece of equipment that was not up to standard. But now I'm stuck with it and I have to figure my way out. And so I'm looking at my stuff and I go, you know what? I'm just going to go talk to people. So I, I saddle my kid up, right? We were off all week this week. We had a fall break. I saddle my kid up. I said, we're going to go to dealerships, man. We're going to go. We're going to go talk to some people and just find out, right? I'm not, I'm not signing up to anything. I just want to hear what these people tell me. First dealership was the one that I bought it from. I was hoping that they would cut me a deal and then we could do some like little swap C situation, be like, look, y'all sold me something that sucks. They don't care. Right. You know what I mean? Like they're like, they kind of would cut me a deal, but it was like, it wasn't any, like, it was something that I had on like the back burner, but I was like, okay, I could do this, but I don't know if that's necessarily what I want to do because it's not, none of it was, I don't know. I was just waiting my options. So I said, okay, I'm going to go talk to other people. I'll be back. So we go to four dealerships in one day. We go to a Chevy dealership. We go to a Dodge, Chrysler, Jeep dealership. We go. Oh, and the Honda dealership, which is where I bought it from. So that's three. And then we went to another one. Oh, we went to a Ford dealership. At the end of the day, we get to all of them. weren't giving me the answers that I needed. They were all uh, none. I wasn't comfortable with any of it. I was like, I hate all of this. I don't want to do any of this. This is driving me crazy. We go to Ford. Ford keeps me the longest, right? The salesman was also the best. He was, he was really good. Like I genuinely liked him. I thought he was a good guy. I even test drive a truck and I'm like, Oh, I like this. This is nice. Right. He was, I mean, he was winning me over right. and, then talking, and then we start talking, then he started talking numbers and I said, you know, and they were trying to get me on a lease they were like, you can, we'll take this negative equity. We'll buy your Jeep for this amount, right? And they even upped it, right? When I started saying no, they started upping that. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we'll get you into a lease for this, right? For this amount of time, you pay this amount and we'll take your negative equity. And at the end, you're done. You don't owe any other negative equity. You've paid your lease. You've done all this stuff. But the payment was was a lot higher than what I was paying now. Right.
0: Yeah. That's where the negative equity is.
1: Yeah. I'm paying for the negative equity right there. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. But they, on, a, on an asset,
1: money. on an asset that I won't own. Right. Right. And I know cars really aren't assets there. I mean, they're, I, I understand that aspect of the whole thing. But, it, but it is
0: that they are real, real property. So yes. In the end, it. it Correct.
1: Do. And so I was like, I was weighing my options. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so I could do this lease for this amount of money. It eats up my negative equity, and but at the end of the day, I don't have anything to show for it. I'm just out of the negative equity, but I start from ground zero again. Yeah, but I'm also paying more every month, and I'm like, ah. like it almost sounded good enough. I called my friend. I talked about. It. I was like, you know what? I'm going to walk away, and I might come back to this. Right? If this might be the solution to get out of this and into something that's just functional. Right? Right. I wake up the next day and I go, you know what? I'm going to try a different forward place. Just one more. What's one more dealership, right? And so I call this guy and I tell him on the phone. I go, hey, before I walk in, can I just tell you my story? (laughs) And so I tell him and we talk about payments. I I give him everything. And I'm like, I don't want to waste your time. You don't waste my time. Like, I'm not going to have you sell me something for five hours and me walk out. Like, I want you to just hear what I want, what I need, blah, blah, blah. We talk and he goes, okay, I got this. Let me call you back. Hang up the phone. He calls me back like 30 minutes later. And he goes, hey, man, I think I can get your numbers to where you need to be. And I can set you up. I said, all right, I'll come in. <laughs> Comes in, shows me a great F-150, all this other stuff, right? It was great. Um, I love the truck. It was one of the, it was It was a different version of the truck that I drove at the other place. So I was like, I don't even need to drive it. Like, it's good. it it's brand new, right? It's only got, they used it as a lender, though. So it was 2,000 miles on it.
0: Yeah, those are good. I've had yeah. that's what mine is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But they, they dropped the price significantly because of that. Mm-hmm. Um like um like 10 grand they took off plus some rebates, everything else.
0: Yeah, to me, I think those are the best ones. Yeah. Those or the lease cars, either way, either one of those are are your best bet. Well usually. and
1: so what he showed me is because my my rationality was I have to eat this negative equity somehow and I can eat it and end up in a car that might not be reliable or I could eat it and end up spending more overall, but something that's going to last me for a lot longer. Mm-hmm. And so I end up oh, Joe, and I crap you not as early as Wednesday. I'm driving off the lot in a brand new <laughs> 2023 Ford F-150. Are you really? I swear on everything. And my, and I traded in the Jeep. They gave me good money for it. It worked out numbers wise. Um, Now, ultimately, like technically, like I not technically, (laughs) literally, I do have more debt because of this. Right. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. it's I had to eat. So I I had a certain amount of negative equity that I had to make up somehow. And I was like, I, I have my options in front of me. I can do this game of paying for it and seeing if I can just get it down over time and hoping that these fixes don't hurt me. I can do it and end up right back where I was, but paying for a very cheap car that could just have the same problems as this, or I could just swallow my pride, eat it, say this is a really expensive mistake, but walk away in something that's going to last me for a very long time. I mean, hopefully, but ideally for a very long time.
0: Well, I don't think you go wrong getting a pickup truck if you can afford it.
1: Well, and that's what I'm saying. And so it it was a pride-hurting situation very disappointed in myself. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I I hated my life so much. Now I love the truck and it's an amazing, but like I've I'm I I have a few years to kind of figure this out to get myself back to where I want to be financially to to make this worth it. And mm-hmm. I can, I'm responsible <clears throat> enough like I I'm not ignoring that piece, but it's like good Lord Ochoa, I have have I learned some lessons through this entire process and just like I'm never buying a car again. That's just that's where I'm standing. I'm just <laughs> never gonna happen again. I it's it's all a scam. Um, it's all a lie. <laughs> None of it means anything. And that's my intro for craft the draft today. Good <laughs> lord. Yep. Any questions? We're at 18 minutes. <laughs> oh, goodness. I'm sorry, I told you. I wanted to well, get this oh off my, my chest. Word.
0: Yeah, you were telling me you wanted to. So there you go. You did. <sighs> there's, so, there's so much
1: more, but that's, that's I think that's Craft enough for the podcast. Draft.
0: <laughs> Welcome to Craft and Draft, everybody. I'm Pam Ochoa, and that is Jacob Chastain, and he has had some kind of week. But um, I thought I we could probably weave this into something. So, uh, so tell us a little bit more about what we might be talking about today, <laughs> Jacob. Oh, my God. Okay, so we're talking. <laughs> we're talking about putting all of your
1: effort into your students. You're working with them day in and day out. And you want to know if it's, if it's worth it is your effort (laughs) giving you what you need. Are you yielding the results that you put forth? Yes or no. Are you making a bunch of costly gambles or are you doing things that are tried and true and works? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about, Not just assessment, but really progress checks, right? We're going to talk about the Craft and Draft system, which those of you who don't know, Craft and Draft is our journal system. We talk all about it on our Patreon page. If you go there and support us, we have how you set it up, how it works. It's amazing. We love it. We have a lot of our listeners have their own Craft and Draft books. So much more. Talk about that. We'll talk about assessment. Talk about really just checking in on your students and judging how well is what you're doing working. Are things improving? Are they getting worse? Et cetera, et cetera. Somehow fits right into my car woes. But ladies and gentlemen, you can support this podcast on Patreon. You can get part two already because over there on Patreon, we're trying something new these days. We're releasing the whole episode when we drop a new one over there for our Patreon listeners. They get the whole thing. The whole shebang. They don't have to wait the next week. You guys on free feeds, you still get the podcast, but you have to wait a whole nother week for the second half. So if you want to support this podcast, if you want to keep the lights on for us, if you just want to help two people down in the state of Texas living what we do, help me make a car payment. Good God, please join us over <laughs> there on Patreon. Uh, you. Can, <laughs> just kidding. You know, what's funny. We Pam and I, we, we, we don't even pool uh from this we're we're banking because we want to do something special for craft and draft but um regardless go over there patreon.com slash craft and draft well we do that. use
0: we do use the money to help keep the well, lights on because it does true. pay for our uh you know all of the stuff yeah, that we have but to we're do not in like order. pulling
1: a salary from this. But we're, we're not, not
0: pulling a salary no no
1: we're just not staring at, at it and waving it goodbye but <laughs> hopefully um yeah We'll see what happens, but join us over there. Patreon.com slash craft You can join everyone that has already done that such as Alicia, Brandy, Leah, Mark, Amy, Sarah, Rebecca, Courtney, Carol, Melissa, Destiny, Lori, Natalie, Susan, Tracy, Andrea, Hannah, Lori, Jen, Matt, Amanda, and Donna. They go over there. They support us. They get all these episodes. The moment they drop, they get bonus videos, bonus content, and access to trainings and so much more. So go over there, check it out. But ladies and gentlemen, let's get to the conversation. Okay, Ocho, I'm already I'm already tired. I'm, I'm tired from my conversation about <laughs> myself.
0: Stressed out. I told you when, when we got up.
1: on, we I was like, Ocho, I'm stressed. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I'm out. Just kidding.
0: Oh goodness. Honestly,
1: what keeps me from losing my mind is having talks about education. This is the one thing I understand. Everything else is out of my control. I don't I don't know how to do anything else in life but talk <laughs> about education. So Progress checks. This is, you know what? I, I'll say this. I'll kind of I've been talking this whole time, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say one thing, I'm gonna pitch it back to you so you can kind of get some air time. But I love what I, I love the idea of of checking on progress. So formative assessing where kids are because it's something that seems I don't know. I, I, I won't say for everyone. For me, it felt difficult at first when someone was like, how do you know that kids are learning? Right. What do you do if they're not learning? I was like, I don't know. Like, how do I like uh, they answer a question correctly? And then it was something that I evolved into where I that's where like I live all day long. When I sit in a classroom and I'm observing teachers, all I'm asking in my head is how do they know that their kids are getting what they're saying? Are they just talking at them? Like this is where the whole like rail against lecturing and just pure direct teaching comes from, because it's if you're only talking at kids, you have no concept of what they're learning at all Um, just because you're saying it doesn't mean anything. And I think we that's an interesting thing to I guess as a jumping off point is when you think about progress checks when you think about checking for student understanding like what are the first like few things that pop into your head
0: well as you can tell i don't know what pops into my head uh so first of all it depends on what it is i'm i'm assessing for uh but i think first of all if i'm trying it just depends like if it's reading can they actually answer and have a discussion you know i think having a discussion being able to if i come around and, and i have a little conference with them and i ask some questions about what they're reading and i may ask certain things like um you know if 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 i find out that they're reading a fiction book and there's certain characters if i can ask them a little bit about you know tell me about your character for example then it, i'll be listening but what i'm listening for is do they understand that the character has depth do they understand it, uh, you know, do they talk about maybe some of the problems that the character's facing? Do they talk about some of the character's traits, you know, their personalities, things like that? And, and does it actually uh, apply? And does it make sense what you're saying? And if they can bring in, uh, you know, if I talk to them about theme and things like that, and they can actually have a conversation about those things. So I look at their depth of knowledge, if you will, when they're having a conversation, if it's writing, uh, a lot of times uh, what I would look at is, you know, it just depends. Like if we're just doing pre-writing, and a lot of times I'm just looking, are you getting something on the page? So I'm walking around and I'm I'm seeing, you know, are they writing? Are they engaged? Uh, is Are the pencils and the pens moving across the page? How much? Are they... Or are they staring off into space a little bit trying to think about what to write? And so I, I kid watch a lot. And, and when I'm kid watching, those are the things I'm looking for. If they're reading, do they, you know, are their eyes scanning the page? Are they turning the page in a certain manner? Are they, they look like they're really involved in that work. And that's, that's just some things that i look for, uh, immediately. So it just depends, uh, if it's, if I have to know the deeper knowledge and I'm actually doing, you know, like a debrief at the end of the lesson, it's in that debrief. I ask certain questions like, so I'll look at my, my mini lesson. And I think, what is it that when they walk away, I got to know. And then, so at the end or any part of my lesson, I do like a debrief question. It matches and it goes back to my actual um, standard that we're doing that day. And, and I base that question on, no matter what, they've got to know this. And so I'll ask them about that. And then I, I listen to see who who volunteers the, the question or the answer first. I've, a lot of times I have them talk with each other, and then I'll do a little, oh, a little Kagan strategy, if you will, where uh, the shoulder partner, Uh, tell explains what the other partner says and i go around the room and ask them so how did you know like if you and our shoulder partners and there's a teacher out there they might say so jacob can you tell us what pam thought about whatever the the question was about so those are some things that i that i do immediately that has nothing to do with writing down data uh looking and studying questions and it's just stuff i can do As I'm walking around and to me, that's a part of teaching and that's a part of making sure I know where they're at at all times. And then if something comes to my attention, like, um, let's say, I don't know, just uh, kid Johnny or Smith or whatever over here. um, If if he's like or she is like never engaging, she kind of shies away or he shies away or they just can't ever find a book or they can't you know that's when I start marking it down I'll start writing some notes and reminding myself I need to make sure I go and you know so tomorrow I've got to sit with this child and find out are they following are they not following so I pay attention to that if everybody is okay then there's no reason to write that down but if they're struggling if there's something wrong then that's where I write my little anecdotal notes um, usually I don't know. Is that the answer you were asking for? Yeah. I mean, I like that you
1: said like, this is what I do before we ever even look at data. Oh yeah. Is I, I think that's important. I think the, like, I honestly, that's such a good reflective question that we should use for people is like, what do you do before you ever look at number data? Uh How, How are you gathering any information at all? Right? Like what, What are your checks, right? Is it like, are you walking around? Okay, cool. Are you jotting down notes? Are you having conversations with kids? What's your measure? Is it just your feel of a class? Because that's one thing I've done. Like the more I've observed more and more is I've walked away from a classroom where a teacher felt really good about like how well they did that. And I'm like, you talked to three kids and there was 28 kids in the space Mm -hmm. And I talked to five kids that had no idea what you just said. Right. And that is you can't go off feeling. You have to have a way to track. It It doesn't mean everything has to be uh, quantitative. Right. It doesn't have to boil down to a number always. Mm -hmm. But you have to have some type of measure. And that's what like when I did. I had someone message me about this uh, the other day. They were like, hey, I was listening to an old podcast and you know, you talked about your, your conferencing notes. Like, what did you do? Like part of my conferencing notes, like the number piece that I tracked was how many times I met with a kid and I had numbers. And so I would walk around and I'd be like, Oh, I've only, I've talked to this kid like 10 times in two weeks. And I've only talked to this kid twice. And so I'd go sit down with them and I would, it would, it was just good to know because even the kid that I've only talked to twice, it could be, sometimes they were just quiet and I overlooked them. Sometimes they were just super efficient and they didn't need me all the time. And sometimes it was just a blind spot in how I was doing my conferences. But that was good information for me to know in order to track and check myself, right? It's also, this is the same thing when uh, I just had a teacher come in and they were talking about their goals and their goal was like, I'm going to uh, have, I'm going to hold kids accountable and have like more clear expectations in classroom management. Okay, cool. Awesome. Great goal. I looked at her and I said, how do you track that? She's kind of stared at me and I go, it's not a trick question. Yeah. How, how are you going to track it? And she didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's what I want you to know. I was like, you can't, a goal without any measure doesn't mean anything. It's it's a nice gesture. It looks good on paper, but it doesn't get you anywhere. And so when we think of student progress checks, I feel like sometimes we're like that teacher, right? We're like, my, ki- <laughs> my kids are going to pass that test or they're, I'm going to do this lesson and they're going to know it at the end. Cool. That's awesome. I hope they do. I hope they engage with your lesson. I hope your lesson is everything that your style, your focus, your curriculum, your standards need it to be. But how do you know? And I think that is such a, it's it's such a fundamental shift in how you think. Because it, it got me like, I got a lot of attention when I started doing big lessons and classroom transformations and stuff like that. But I got a lot of results when I started asking, okay, so I'm going to do these things, but how do I know my kids are getting what they need to get? What's the goal of this? Mm-hmm. And... I think that uh to go to Craft and Draft, I guess at the in this, this is one of the things that you and I talked about all the time. And for people that are new listeners, and people that haven't been around for all of our episodes, you know, one of the main reasons we designed Craft and Draft together was because you and I at the time were working with teachers who were some of them were trying to move forward in workshops, some of them were very resistant to it. Some of them uh were just resistant to anything that was <laughs> productive but you and I were on this crusade to help teachers that wanted to do workshop practices but didn't have things that tracked workshop practices in a real way we were like how do you make all of the the nuances of workshop appear on paper how do you create data out of authentic work Right? Stuff that you can point to that anyone that walks into the room, regardless of their knowledge of reading workshop, writing workshop, regardless of their knowledge of why these authentic practices are something that we love so much. How do you get that principal, that district employee, that uh other classroom teacher doing a walk? How do you get them to walk into your space and go, oh, these kids are learning a lot without knowing anything about what that looks like in reading, and writing workshop? And craft and draft became that. It became us making thinking visible. In a journal system. I mean, you, you and I had these, these like th- prototypes, like drawn out on whiteboards, like trying to yeah. think this. I mean, do you remember those days? I mean, we literally. I do. I
0: have, I still have them and I have pictures <laughs> of all the work we did. I still have them on my, yeah. on my phone. Mm-hmm. I just think it's
1: so, uh, it's such an interesting thing to kind of unpack because it, it's important to really engage with the work of, okay, so I'm teaching this. This is my standard. I need kids to get here. What are all my checks? Are there two checks, three checks, four checks, five checks? And then once you get used to it, it just naturally gets built into what you're doing, right? It doesn't become like with you, Ochoa, like you were... Like sometimes it was funny when I talked to you because you would be like, Oh yeah, I do it or whatever. Like you just, you were so relaxed about it. But when you watch you teach, there were so many checks that were built into your practices that like you, you were just doing them naturally. And you, the, the way you taught gave you the information you needed. But for someone who's new to this, someone who may be struggling because they're like, Oh my God, I've taught for nine weeks. I've taught for six weeks. It's October. And I don't even know if my kids have learned anything. Like, I think mm-hmm. this is the valuable stuff they need to be asking themselves.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think the way I use the notebooks, and if you want to talk about that is, um, you know, I mean the way it's all set up all together is, you know, we have it where they have goals. We They have the standard there that they have to do. And then they do the the work that I've asked them to do. And then, we have them reflect and we have them to apply what they've learned and they apply it on that left side or they apply it in their draft book. And so as they're applying it, you can, your the goal, the standard is there. The, what they were supposed to learn is there. And then when you look at it, when they, you know, you're checking their, their notebooks on that left side, that application is there so you can see if they got it or they didn't get it And you can see real quick if they get it or they didn't get it and so then you can talk to them about that tell me more about what you did here and how does this apply and uh, you know.